0: The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Yeah, welcome, guys uh let's pray and we're just going to jump right into the word um but first i guess i forgot almost first we're going to pass some cookies out if this is your first time here we don't need you to like do anything super crazy but we do want to give you a gift and so if it's your first time here and you uh, would like a package of cookies baked by our very own where is nicole at right there baked by our very own nicole with love (laughs) Uh, we are just passing those out. So just raise your hand. We'll get those passed around to you guys. You don't have to fill any cards out. You don't have to tell us about your Social Security number or your birth date or what your income level is or anything else. We just want to bless you with some cookies. Uh, just one. It's one per house until they're all gone. So there's lots of cookies in there. Uh, but just grab those. And if you love them, uh, tell Nicole thank you. If you don't, uh, don't say a word, okay? Just, just don't say a word. Uh, All right, let's pray. We're going to jump in and just get into God's Word and celebrate Jesus. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for sending your Son, Lord, to die on the cross for us, Lord, and to rise from the dead. Lord, on our behalf, Father, to bring new life. And we just ask that your Holy Spirit right now would quicken your Word to us. Father, God, allow us to understand, Lord, what you've done for us. God, the depth of it or the length of it, God, how just amazing it really is. Lord, not just for... That Easter or a holiday, or for just other people, but for ourselves. Lord, because this word is personal for each of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I don't know how you got to church today. Um, I can tell you that if you came to church today on your own, like you actually walked in on your own two feet, that you have a huge head start on me. Because I came to church uh, years ago. Because a friend of mine threw me in the back of his car, passed out drunk at 3 in the morning, and dragged me over to a pastor's house and said, hey, this guy needs some help. He needs help now. His wife is leaving him. Uh, We were about to have our first baby, and I was a total, complete nut job. I had super social anxiety. I wouldn't let my wife answer the phone. Do you want anybody to call our house? And she said, well, they're calling us. Well, they can leave a voicemail. Then you can listen to the voicemail later. But don't interrupt my bubble that I have right now. Because anybody calling in could potentially pop it and ruin my whole life. This social anxiety, a lot of anger. Uh, I used to put a hole in the wall of every single house that we lived in. Our goal every time we moved was no repairs this time. No repairs this time. It was just this anger and anxiety and kind of self-focused lifestyle that I lived in. I was an alcoholic, and that was part of just the desire to just always feel comfortable and not feel stress or not feel anxiety or not feel the pressures of life. And so my friend had the courage to throw me in the back of his car and take me in. And that's how I came into church. And as God got a hold of my life and began to change me, then everything about who I was began to change. Now, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. God's love is perfect. And God's love is a love that doesn't look for what it can gain for itself. God's love is a love that looks for what it can do for others. It's a love that gives. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. A love that gives is a love without fear. Because it's not looking for what it can get, and so it can never be shortchanged. It wasn't there to receive, it wasn't there to take, it was there to pour out. And that's the love of God. That is the story of Easter, that God so loved the world that he came, that he died for us, and that he rose again to give us new life, and to empower us to live after him. And so we're going to jump into the story of Easter And we're going to talk about what that looks like on an individual basis because I know that people come different ways. They come for different reasons. So the question I have for you this morning is, why did you come? Why are you here in this school with Dr. Seuss today? Who brought you and why are you here? Susan brought her. There you go. What's your reason for being here? There's different reasons for everybody. We're going to go through some people in the Bible and the different reasons that they came to Jesus. What was their intention? What was their purpose? Why did they come? Because it's not always the same. And so the first one that we're going to get into, and if you have your notes, uh, you can look right inside of there. We're going to go through these different people. And as we go through them, I just want you to think about, am I one of these? This may be my reason, because there could be some clues in there about how God might respond to you. As we read them. And so the first one is that there was one who came to Jesus because they wanted Jesus to prove himself to them. They came and said, You know what? You show us a miracle. You do something for us. You prove and show me something spectacular. And if you don't, then I won't believe. And the intention and the motive was not really to believe, the intention and the motive was to say, I know you're not going to show me. And so I don't have to serve. I don't have to give my life to you. I can continue to live my own selfish way. I can do anything I want. And so they're trying to put just like a parameter on him that if you don't do this, I'm going to continue to do my own thing. And this comes out of Matthew 12, 38 to 40. It says, Some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given except one. That's the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What he said is, here's a sign I'm going to give you. Is that I am going to die, I'm going to be buried, and then I'm going to rise again. That's the sign I'm going to give you. I'm not going to do something out here that you can just look at and come and follow like a magician. I'm going to show you that I will sacrificially die for your sins, that I will rise again, and that I am the Lord at which point you will have to make a decision to come and follow and so that is the message that he gave them is that the sign I'm going to show you isn't something just to look at but it's going to require you to make a, a life-changing decision we'll go on another person came to prove Jesus wrong talks in Matthew 22:15 that the Pharisees went out and they laid a plan to trap him in his words and they did this with taxes they said is it right to pay Caesar taxes and back then, who you're paying the money to is who you're kind of serving. It's who's in charge. And they're saying, well, if we serve God, then is it right to give taxes to the government? And Jesus said, get me a coin. And they brought the coin. And he says, whose picture's on this coin? He said, well, it's Caesar. And he said, then give Caesar whatever Caesar's and give God whatever belongs to God. But their intention was not to actually learn from him. Their intention was to try to find a loophole, a way out, a way to trick. And so that's what they came for. And he said, you know what? The money is irrelevant. I'm after bigger things. I'm after your heart. You can give the money away, and I can still provide for you. You can give away the authority of the world, and I can still come in, and I can still rule over your own heart and your own life, and that's the message that he gave to them. A rich young ruler came, and he came just to add Jesus kind of to his plan. Like, I've got life going, and it's pretty good, and I'm doing everything right. And I've talked to people before about Jesus, and they said, well, I don't really need a Savior. Everything's going pretty good. Like, I'm not sinning. I'm not doing anything terrible. I'm not doing anything wrong. So why do I need God's help? Why do I need for God to do anything in my life? Why do I need to change anything? And Jesus' answer to this rich young ruler was that it's not what he does in this life, but that he actually has to be born again. And he said, well, how can a man be born again? And Jesse alluded to this, but how can I be born again? You can only come out of your mom one time. And he's confused by it. And Jesus said, well, what, you have to be born of the water, which is a natural birth, but you have to be born of the spirit. You know, before I gave my life to the Lord, people were trying to change me. They were trying to make me a better husband, a better father, a, a, someone that cared about others. That didn't. I would literally hide in my closet at my house when people came over. I'd just go in the closet, shut the door, hide behind the clothes, and that's where I'd be. My wife would have to come try to dig me out of there. Say, hey, we have people over at our house. I said, I know, that's why I'm in here. She's like, you have to come out. I don't want to come out. You have to come out. You invited them over. I sounded good at the time. I'm not coming out. She'd have to drag me out, literally. And so I would come out. But my heart was for myself. And people were telling me, well, you have to open up. You have to care for others. And so I would try to do it on the outside, but the inside just couldn't follow. Maybe somebody's hurt you. Maybe they've done some terrible thing, abused you or uh, spoken negative about you, gossiped about you, brought down your name. They've done something that's harmed you. Maybe they've frauded you, lied to you. And you know the right thing to do is to forgive. But in your heart, you can't forgive. Day after day, year after year, this bitterness still rises up. And when you see them or you hear their name or you see their little post on Facebook that their life is still happy... It's like, oh, I wish their life wasn't happy. You only check their Facebook to see if things have gone bad. I wonder if they're divorced yet. I'm going to check and see. I wonder if they lost their business. What do you mean they opened up a second location? God, they're terrible. They hurt me. But we're supposed to forgive. But that's here. But it can't happen here. That was me. All these things people were telling me, do this, live like this, change like this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to do that. But in the midst of trying it, it always ended up back at the same spot because my heart was the same. So what he's talking about to be born again is that God comes in and gives a new heart that allows us to actually begin to want to do different. And so what happened with me is I went from the back of that friend's car to meet with a pastor. The pastor met with me four times. The fourth time I'm sitting across the desk, and I know this is none of you, I'm the worst of all. Paul said, you know, God came to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. I identify with that from where I came from. I sat across the desk, and he looks at me, the fourth visit, and he's like, dude, you are a word I can't say in church. <laughs> but he felt free to. He says, I'm not meeting with you anymore, I'm done. Cut me off, sent me out. No church for me. I said, That's fine because I hate people and I'm angry. It's not my fault, it's their fault. There was just so much bitterness and so much anger and so much things going on in my heart. And so they brought me in one more time for this whole like counseling kind of voodoo session thing to try to change me. They did all their tricks, all their counseling, and it wasn't working. And about an hour into it, one guy kind of gives up and he looks at me and he goes, would you do me a favor? He said, would you just pray and ask that the Holy Spirit, ask that God's Spirit would show you if there's anything that you've done wrong anything that you need to repent for, I said, sounds good, (laughs) let's do that last-ditch thing, and I'm getting out of here, you know, and I could say I checked this off my list, you know, what I was really waiting for was for my wife to leave me, because if I left her, then forever I'm the bad guy, but if I could just be such a bad husband that she would eventually leave me, then I could then flip it around and say, I was trying to recover, I was trying to be better, but my wife left, and i could be a victim forever you know i could just milk that and so i'm sitting there i said i'll pray this so i started to pray and i literally probably got three words out and it the lord just took the blinder off and i just thought you know i'm a i'm a bad man and for the next literally 45 minutes i just bawled and bawled and bawled it's not coming out of my nose i'm hyperventilating i'm confessing all this stuff just begging for forgiveness My heart changed as I gave my life to the Lord, and now I had a heart that wanted to do what God wanted me to do. The Bible says that it's he that works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Even the desire to do good comes from God, not from ourselves. That's why self-help falls short, because we're trying to convince ourselves to be something that's not coming from inside. We're trying to just retrain the mind, but the heart has to change. The Bible says to guard your heart, for out of it spring all the issues of life. There's something going on in our spirit that drives things. It's where the loneliness comes from, it's where the emptiness comes from, it's where the discouragement comes from, it's where the failure comes from. It's not just the mental thing, it's a heart thing. I've been in business before we started this church. I was in business for 20 years, doing furniture stores, delis, I ran a large real estate team, did all kinds of business stuff. And the one thing that I saw in business, and I saw in success, is that it still left people empty. It didn't matter the level, it doesn't matter if you're an athlete, it doesn't matter if you are a successful entertainer, a singer. Whatever the case is, all you have to do is turn on the news, and every week there's a new person that's trying to take their life, or that's being put into a rehab, or that their marriage is falling apart, or something's happening, and they have all the success that everybody else wants to have. Yet they still find themselves empty and alone, even though they're surrounded by people, hurting. Because it's not a mental thing, and it's not an outside thing, it's something in the heart, and the desire, the void, the thing that needs filled doesn't come from people and it doesn't come from things. It comes from God. It's God's desire to know us, that he made us, that he wants to have relationship with us. And so he has this desire to connect and it's innate within us to want to reconnect with him. Because he's the one who made us. But this thing is in the way of selfishness, of sin, of, of rejection, of these things that go on in our own, in our own heart. And so this rich young ruler had come and said, everything is good. And he said, no, you need to be born again. And even once you're born again, you have to then learn to follow the Lord. When I had a new heart, I had a desire to be a good father, a desire to be a good husband now. I had no idea how to do it. I had to have somebody come along and walk with me and mentor me and teach me. Man, this is how you deal with anger. This is how you deal with your emotions. This is how you serve someone. This is how you make small talk instead of hiding in your closet. I mean, I had to go to the very basics. Just learn how to live where I wasn't focused on me. But I had the desire now, so it stuck. It changed. Some come seeking help for other people. Matthew 8, 8. A centurion comes to Jesus, that was a Roman soldier, and he says, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. He didn't come for himself, but he came for others. Which sounds great, but you know, sometimes it's easier to say, man, that person really needs God. That person needs some help. I had a lady at work one time, I had asked her if I could pray for her business, because her business was struggling and she was also in the same business field that I was in. I said, could I pray for your business? She said, absolutely not. Do not pray for my business. I said, okay, I won't pray for your business. Later, she came and said, my friend's sick. Maybe you could pray for her. Sometimes we come and we'll say, do you know what? Maybe God's an answer for them, but certainly not for me. And we look outside at other people at what maybe God is trying to do In their life, or needs to do in their life, or at least if they found God, they'd be nicer to me. Maybe they'd help me. And we look outward. Yet God's saying, No, I came for you. I've got something I want to do in your life, in your heart. It's not just about them. In Mark 2 3, there's a paralyzed man that comes. And it says, Some men came and they brought to him a paralyzed man, and they carried one on each corner, they all four carried him in on a mat and they climb up on the roof because they couldn't get to Jesus, and they break a hole in the thatched roof, and they lower him down on ropes, trying to get him close to Jesus to get help. You might be here today because somebody dragged you in. Somebody carried you in. Maybe a friend, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse. Who knows? But they drug you in. And you're like, I don't know why I'm here. But you know what? That man could not carry himself in. He did not even necessarily want to be there. How embarrassing, right? If you've ever had, like, something wrong with you, you know, you think, well, congratulations, they they carried him in. But if you've ever really had something wrong with you, it's not exciting if a bunch of people drag you up front and say, hey, this guy needs some help. It's kind of embarrassing. You're kind of getting shoved out there in the front, and they brought him in and drop him in and say, hey, pray for our friend, he needs you. And they're all excited, they're coming through the roof, they're making a scene, and God restores him and heals him. Even if you didn't bring yourself here, God can do something in your heart. God can change your life if you listen and allow him in. There's a woman that came. This is in Luke eight forty three. It says, there's a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, and she had spent all of her living on physicians, and none of them could heal her. But she came behind him, and she touched just the border, just the hem of his garment, and immediately... Her issue of blood stopped. So she came and she pushed in. She had tried everything else. She had tried counseling, putting it in our modern day to fix her problem. She had tried physicians, doctors, all the herbal medicines. She'd gone holistic. She'd gone every direction trying to say, I need help. And she can't get it. But here she sees Jesus and she pushes through the crowd a place she's not even supposed to be. Because in that day, if you had an issue like this, you were considered unclean, and you had to stay outside, away from everybody. And she pushes in and sneaks in, and she shoves through, and she wants to get to him, and she grabs his garment. She's desperate. Maybe you came in desperate. You're like, man, I just need God to help me. I don't even want to talk to anybody else about it, but I need God to help me. For whatever issue it is that you've had, maybe you've had it for years, Maybe it's emotional, mental, physical, I don't know. But you're pushing through saying, God, I need help. That's what she did, and God healed her. There's a man who came, and this was a a rich businessman named Zacchaeus, and he came just far enough to kind of get a look, see what's going on. You know, everybody's around. It's kind of the thing to do. It was an event. Jesus is walking through, kind of like Easter. It's the thing to do. Everybody's there. I gotta go. I'm just gonna come in. I'm just gonna kind of peek and see what's going on. I'll I'll sit. I'll do my thing. I'll check it off. And I'm gonna get out of here. And Jesus is going along, and the crowds are all around him. And Jesus looks up in a tree. This is where Zacchaeus was at. He's in a tree, hiding. I was in a tree a few months ago. I was over at Kyle and Jenna's house and little Leah Mae was like just teeny tiny wanted to hide and go seek so I thought you know I know exactly how to hide from her because she's so small so she was there inside of the house and I went outside and said hey you count to 20 which she can't even count so I knew I had plenty of time <laughs> so I went out and I climbed way up in this tree and there's branches everywhere and I'm looking down and I, I can barely see down and there's no way she can see me and she walks out comes over looks around like this for a second stops at this tree looks up I see you! Like, what a waste. Like, I'm 40 years old. I could die up here. And this kid just comes out and sees me right there. Boom, I'm done. But this is Zacchaeus. He goes there. He wants to be unnoticed. He doesn't want to be bothered. He's not there to find Jesus and get saved. He's just checking things out. And he looks from this tree, and Jesus stops everything in front of everybody, and he says, hey, come down. I'm going to go and have dinner with you. I'm going to spend time with you. I want to know you. I care about you. Every single person that's here, God sees you. He knows you're here. You might be one that comes down and barbecues with us and has a good time, or you might be one that just came to kind of watch real quick and head out the door, not talk to anyone, not get to know anyone. You're shaking hands at the front door telling people your wrong name. (laughs) I might use my real name the third or fourth time I come if that ever happens but right now my name is Bill. And you don't want to be known. Neither did Zacchaeus, but you know what? God wants to know you. God wants an intimate, personal relationship with you. With all your problems, with all your issues, with everything that's going on in your marriage, with all the mistakes you've made as a parent, with all the things that have been done to you and the problems that are deep, and you don't share them with anybody else because somebody else has hurt you, or abused you, or offended you, and so you don't get into relationship, because you can't have real relationship anyways, because you can't let anybody in that deep, because you don't even want to go in that deep, but God does. God wants to go that deep. God wants to get into the dark areas and clean it out. God wants to bring healing right now where it's hurting he cares about you he didn't die just to take away your sins and make you an okay person the bible says that he had came with a ministry of reconciliation what is a ministry of reconciliation it is to take two parties that right now are separated by something in the middle and it's to take that out and it's to bring them back together God made us for relationship with Him. And right now, there may be something that's in between you and Him. And you know what? It might be something that you've done. And for some of you, the biggest obstacle between it might feel like it's something that someone else has done. God, how could you let this happen to me? God, how could you do this? You know, part of my insecurity is my anger and just all the things that rage in my head and in my heart. For me, started because when I was around four or five years old, I had a cousin, an older male cousin, that thought it would be fun to do sexual things with me. So I know some of you have had things like that happen. I know those things are hard. They mess with your head. they mess with your heart. And there's nobody that can fix that. But God didn't just come to make you not a sinner. God came because he loves you. And he removes sin, not to make you just clean. He removes sin so that he could have relationship with you. The Bible says he's our healer. He removed that so he could come close and heal you. He could restore you. He could take away the hurt, the pain, the sin, the things that are in your life that make it hard to do all the normal things and be happy. That's what he came for. There's a man that came because he was tormented from within. The Bible says in Luke 8.27 that as Jesus stepped out onto the land a man of the city who had demons met him. He literally, he got on this boat to get away from the crowds and he sailed across the water and he stops for a rest and he steps out of the boat and this crazy guy full of demons comes running up to him going crazy and going wild and Jesus delivers him And the Bible says that he sat at Jesus' feet and the people in the town were so amazed that they were actually afraid of Jesus and they wanted Jesus to go away. Because they didn't understand the power of God to change a life that way. I've been pastoring in one form or another now for probably 18 years. I've also been in business. I've been around self-help stuff. I've been to all kinds of seminars and how to change your life, and how to change your mind. I've been to all of these things and some of those things have benefit but i have never seen anyone changed completely and radically from the inside out by any other method than the power of christ bringing new life into them we knew a girl at one of our stores we had a, a store that sold children's clothes and toys and furniture and her name was jenny jenny shows up one day at our store and she's a customer and we get to know her and she leaves and she comes back and she's going back and forth and All of her makeup is just black and she's got just this very offensive tattoo on her arm about her own value. I'm not saying tattoos are offensive, but this one was degrading even to herself. Her whole person was just dejected and she looked angry and depressed and sad and like she wanted to die. She just looked like death. No smile, no joy, no nothing. We invited her over. We started loving on her. We were sharing the Lord with her. One day she gives her life to Jesus, Praise God, I want a new heart. I want you to change me. I'm going to give you all these things that I've done. I'm going to give you all these things that have been done to me. Lord, I want a new heart. And I tell you the truth. She came walking into our store the next day, and we did not know who she was. That's a reality. She walks in, the same girl, beaming with a smile, joy, looking up, Literally, could not recognize her, talking to her like she's a new customer. That didn't come from years of counseling. It didn't come from trying to make her live different. It came because God stepped in and said, you know what, I will take your garbage and I will give you my grace. And he literally changed her heart. And made her a new person. It's incredible. God can do that for you. You have a hard time forgiving. There was a guy in our at our store. His name was Robert. Him and his wife used to come into our store and they would buy toys for their kids. And one day we're watching the news. They'd been our customers probably for a year and a half. They had, a, they had two kids that were the same age as ours. An 18-month-old and a newborn and they were growing and same age as our two kids at the time and one day we're watching the news and we see on the news that this lady had just been arrested because she took her two little kids into the woods and shot them both killed them and we're watching and this is the lady that's been coming in our store for like a year like we know her and I saw it, and I thought you know what we're going to end up probably connected to this somehow I don't know how but God's going to intertwine this something's happening About a week later, this guy pulls up in his truck and all the toys from his kids, the slides and the little playhouses are all in the back of his truck. And he brings them back in because we sold new stuff, we sold used stuff, we sold, he says, hey, I don't need this anymore, I just want to donate it. And that is brokenness. I asked man, do you need help? Do you need this? Do you need that? No, I got everything. I got help. I got people moving me. I've got neighbors. I've got. I just felt like the Lord said, "Ask him if he needs a friend." You need a friend. Man, I need a friend. So we just started hanging out. See, here's the difference between us and God. We want to fix everything. We're always in a hurry to fix stuff, fix people. Thank you for coming into this church and having problems. If you decide to stay next week, I want you to be fixed. We don't want people coming into our church and saying the people there have problems, the people there have issues. We want our church to be just right. We want to have an Instagram church. So just be fixed by next week, or don't tell anybody. That's not God. God looked at this guy with all the problems and he didn't need him fixed, he needed him loved. So that guy needs a friend. So I started spending time with him. I'm just hanging out with him. We started to go through a Bible study together. We get to this section on forgiveness, and I thought, man, I don't know what I'm going to do here. So I just started out like anybody that has no idea what to do. I just let him go first. And I said, Robert, what do you do with forgiveness? What do you think of that? And he said, well... Now he's probably 45 almost 50 years old at the time this he's not going to have a bunch more kids this is his shot of the family and he says well he says when my wife shot my kids this is probably six months later he says I, I went into jail to visit her and he says I I walked in and she said well what about us and he said, I just looked at her I said what do you mean what about us you killed our kids and she says, Oh, so you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater then? And he just looks at her like, You're crazy. And he leaves. And he says, I went home and he says, I just was, this is on my mind and on my heart and I'm wrestling with this whole thing. And he says, And then I started reading about God's forgiveness and as far as the east is from the west and he doesn't remember it. And he says, I started thinking about that and just really what that really means. And he says, You know, if. It just hit me that if I forgave her the way that God forgives us, that it would be as if I remembered it no more. It'd be as if it never happened. And he says, If it never happened, if I treated it as true forgiveness, why would I leave her? And I said, This dude's lost it. (laughs) Post traumatic stress. He needs a better counselor than me. And so I was really concerned for him. Like he's in denial, he's not letting this thing go. And he says, "You know what? I'm not leaving her. I'm going to love her." I watched for the next 10 years. This guy just continues to love her. Don't ask me how. My pastor, I don't know how to do that. But God showed him something about his love. Jesus hanging on the cross, literally dying on the cross calls out, Father, forgive them. While he's hanging there, while they're killing him, right now while you're sinning, right now while you're raging against God, right now while you have no repentance in your heart, right now while you don't care about his death or resurrection. He is looking to love you. He's looking to forgive you. He's looking to come into a relationship with you, and you've done nothing to deserve it yet. And if you've been serving God already, just remember how you came in. Because He came and sought after you. He started the relationship, He initiated it with your heart. But I watched Him for the t- next 10 years love His wife. He would send us out and say, Hey, can you guys write a card? I'm going up to visit her at the hospital or at the at the prison. Hey, I'm going up to meet her. Hey, I'm taking her some stuff. Can you guys pray for her? Hey, can you guys... And the one thing I saw in his life, I kept waiting for him to crack, and he never cracked. All the little kids, he was like a Santa Claus, all the little kids would run up and hug his legs. And he would smile, and he would hold them, and he would laugh. and The guy was full of the joy of the Lord. And I tell you, I've seen people that have been hurt, even with far less... Traumatic experiences that have held on to it. And the bitterness grows and grows and grows, and the joy goes away. Depression comes in and things happen. But because he followed Christ's model and he forgave, the joy of the Lord came in. And man, that guy was so happy. So, I don't know how, it's a miracle. His own disciples, Matthew 20, 21, they came to Jesus for a revolution. The people that were literally walking with Jesus, doing life with him, learning from him, they were with him the whole time because they thought he was going to overthrow the government and become a political figure. That's what they thought a savior meant. They argued about who was gonna be the best, who was gonna be first and last. And even a couple of their mothers came in. And the mom comes in and says, Hey, can you put my sons at your right hand when you take your kingdom? When you're in charge, can you give them a good spot? The thought was that he was rescuing everybody from out there. The problem is that we need rescued from in here. I follow politics, I like to watch the news. But it doesn't matter who's the president. It doesn't matter who's a senator. It doesn't matter who's a governor. It doesn't matter if I have high taxes or low taxes. In the end, my life and my experience in my life isn't going to depend on outside factors. The biggest factor is what's going on in here. Because I've seen people that are prosperous and doing well have nothing going on in here and live in depression and isolation and discouragement and feel purposeless. And I've seen people with nothing full of joy. I've seen people in bad marriages still have the joy of the Lord. I've seen people in great marriages have no love for their spouse who's an amazing person. There's people in other countries. I've been to Africa where people are living in poverty and they're living in the dirt. And I've been over there and I've seen people with joy. I've seen them dancing. I've seen them loving God. And they're under a corrupt government and they're in a bad situation. There's tribal warfare around them. And I've seen people here under Democrat, under Republican, under any political leader. And you know what never changes? Their experience keeps being bad. Because it's in here that God wants to rescue us. It's in here that God wants to change us. So, why did you come today? What was your reason? There was something that happened, and this is where we're going to start to kind of bring this together. There was something that happened. Think about this between Christmas and Easter. I'm going to read you a couple of verses, and I want you to think about this. Something happened because we celebrated Christmas not that long ago. Listen to this verse out of Luke says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Christmas. The baby in a manger. Jesus. Joy to the world. That's the same Jesus that we find in Luke 23, 18, that it says the whole crowd shouted away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, a rebellion in the city, and for murder, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate, who was the judge, the authority at the time, he appealed to them again, but they kept on shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And for the third time, Pilate speaks up. He says, why? What crime has this man committed? I found him to have no grounds for the death penalty at all. This guy's done nothing. He's been healing the sick. He's been caring for people. He's been helping the poor. He's been serving others, and you want him dead. And they just kept crying out. It says, with loud shouts, they insistently demanded, that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. And so Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder and surrendered Jesus to their will. Somewhere between Christmas, joy to the world, and Easter, it went from Jesus, the cute little baby that's going to bring us joy and peace, Jesus crucify him and hang him on a cross and he lived a life that served others so why all the animosity why all the anger why all the outrage why the demand for his life and the answer is right in that verse it's simple if you compare the two men they wanted Jesus crucified they wanted Barabbas set free Barabbas had a message and his message was they're the problem He started a rebellion, an insurrection. He wanted to overthrow them because we're okay and our life will be fine as long as they aren't bothering us. Jesus' message was, they aren't the problem. The problem is that there's no one righteous. There's no one that seeks to do good. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The problem isn't them. The problem is you. The problem is me. They didn't like that message they didn't want that message and so they did everything they could to quiet it and to set it down and maybe you've done that in your own life maybe God's pulled at your heart said you know what it's time to follow me it's time to repent it's time to come to me and we push it down in every other way (coughs) and try to silence that voice but it doesn't change the reality that the freedom that you seek, the freedom that God brings comes when we surrender in here to him and allow him to do his work and that we're born again. And that's what Easter is about. Easter is about Christ coming to save our hearts, to die for us. When he rose again, he rose again for you, to have a relationship with you and to bring new life to you, not just to me because I'm a pastor, not just to everyone that's celebrating, but to you. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to read this verse, and then we're going to give an opportunity for some people to take a minute and think, man, Lord, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. Easter's for me. Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want you to come in. This is John 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. It's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus came to bring light into your darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's still hope for you. There's still opportunity for you. God can change it. You just let him in. Verse 9, the true light that the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him... To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of a natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will. This wasn't like just a planned out thing that we do in the natural, but that was born of God. God wants to bring a new heart and a new life to you. And he'll do that right now. If you're willing. Have everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here today and you say, "You know what? That's me. I, I'm at a place right now. I'm ready. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to not just celebrate Easter with eggs and bunnies, but I want to celebrate Easter as that God came down and died for me and rose again. I want that relationship with Him. But I want to give you that opportunity and pray with you. Is there anybody here? Just raise your hand. I'll just identify you. See you. And I can pray that with you. Now, if there's anyone who maybe has been walking with the Lord and say, you know, today is the day I need to get things right. I need to rededicate my life. I need to have some prayer for God to work in my life and move me through some things that have been obstacles. I'd like to pray with you too because he's here to help you to overcome. Says so light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Amen. Father, I just pray right now, God, for everyone that's here, Lord, as we celebrate Easter, Father, I thank you that you rose again to bring us new life, God. I pray that you would uh, just, God, bring your great encouragement and your hope, Lord, into each person's heart. Father, I pray as we go out and celebrate and eat, Lord, that people would experience your love, Lord, even in relationship. God, your word says that the world will know that we're your disciples because we love one another, so I pray that your love will be present. That people will be experiencing your joy and your goodness, Father, that they will experience, Lord, just a genuine, authentic, Lord, community, Lord, where people care for each other. Or that you'll give that to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to head out for barbecues and things outside. Um, If you want prayer right now for anything, maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but if you want prayer, I did see a couple of hands, but if you want prayer right now as someone to pray with you, for committing your life to the Lord or just to get through some things in your life and you need encouragement, we'll have a couple of people up here, honey. You can come up just for prayer. And just as people exit, uh, we'll have you guys uh, up here, people that you can come up and pray with. Amen? Thank you for being here. Oh, and don't forget to grab your kids, too. And all the Easter festivities are going on down here to the left.